Hello and welcome to the Truth Labyrinth Podcast. This is J.R. Everhart. Some call me minister, others call me pastor, most call me friend. Uh, today I want to kind of just uh, piggyback on an earlier episode I, I just posted uh, answering a listener's question. Uh, I had mentioned in that that um, I was going to talk about unconditional surrender and I kind of felt like, you know, that really deserved its own episode um, so here we are. So I was listening to, um, I believe it was Matt Chandler from the village church, um, last week. And he was speaking on, uh, confronting sin in your life, which is, was a great message. You don't hear people talk about that much anymore. Um, people really more focused on most modern churches are really more focused on just making people feel good than they are with, you know, presenting the truth as it is in the Bible. I know there's churches trying to get it right, but that's kind of the general census that I see anyways. Um, so it was refreshing to hear someone, you know, speak on confronting sin in our life in a very loving and, and gracious way. And Matt is a genius at laying things out that way. Um, so his message wasn't on unconditional surrender. He was just talking about how we need to live our lives in unconditional surrender to Christ and uh, in obedience, you know. And uh, I can't help but bring up the subject of holiness when you're talking about these things, as I think they all kind of go hand in hand. Um, holiness is is definitely something that we earn in our day to day walk. You know, salvation is free. And as a free gift, all you have to do is believe that Jesus was the Son of God, died for your sins, and raised from the dead, and you're a, you're a believer. You know, that's your ticket into heaven. But if you want a true, personal, intimate relationship with Christ, that requires unconditional surrender and obedience uh, in our lives and seeking holiness in our life, you know, Um that stuff, that's stuff that you got to kind of work at. That that's not free, and just someone waves a magic wand over you, and now you're, you know, walking in perfect holiness, and and uh, God's anointing is just you know running out your ears. That's that's not how this works. If you're someone who works in ministry or a Christian counselor of some type, and you know really want to, you know, operate under the gifts of the Spirit as you're counseling and as you're ministering and, and, and operate underneath of God's anointing and be someone that uh, God's Spirit can flow through, it's extremely important that holiness, you know, be something you walk out each and every day. Now, um, we're not talking about perfection, you know, because I don't believe that we could ever achieve perfection uh, but I don't think that's an excuse to not strive for perfection. Um, we're all going to fall short, and Christ's sacrifice on the cross was a uh, was enough to you know cover our our failures and our shortcomings. So we don't need to be focused on that. We need to be focused on being the best people we can be, so God's glory can shine through us. Um, so you know that's that's where you got to talk, start talking about unconditional surrender. You know, many people come to the you know come to the Lord and you know get involved in church and things like that. And I know a whole boatload of quote unquote church people who 
you know, make huge sacrifices in their life for the church and, you know, they're at all the pancake breakfasts and the spaghetti suppers and, you know, all that sort of stuff. They never miss a Sunday morning service or a midweek, you know, Bible study or, you know, something like that or whatever. And they're just kind of, you know, behind the scenes, you know, workers of the church, but then kind of live their life, you know, as if they don't even know who Jesus is. You know, I, I heard heard a guy from Texas one time say, you know, Texas has the stereotype of being the buckle of the Bible belt in our country. And he says, you know, everybody claims to be a Christian, but nobody knows Jesus, you know, um, in Texas. You know, that's what he was saying. You know, everybody claims to be a Christian, but not everybody. I'm not I'm not saying every single person, but a whole lot of people don't have a clue who Jesus is. And I know a bunch of people in my own personal life that are confessing Christians who really don't have much in the way of revelation about who Christ is and what it is to have a real intimate relationship with him. Um, and that's sad. It really is. But, I mean, I, I think that's the cancer of the modern church is, is mediocrity. You know, it's, you got, you know, people who are just barely hanging on to their salvation by the skin of their teeth. They've They've figured out how to live life the way they want to live life and still go to heaven. And that's kind of where that's the limbo that they kind of hang in, but then don't understand why they, why they have such chaos in their life and a lack of harmony, peace, or even satisfaction, you know, and then they're real quick to want to blame God for those things. When God's like, well, you know, man, you're only doing like half of what I called you to do. I have such greater things in store for you and such mightier things I want to do through you that I can't do because you have not unconditionally surrendered to me. You know, um, you know, a lot of people want to surrender 75% of their life and say, Lord, I'm going to keep this other 25%, you know, because it's something that, you know, I just need to work through on my own or, you know, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And I think we all need to ask ourselves what, you know, if there's anything in our life that we're, we haven't given up for God, you know, that we haven't given to him. Because everything we do in our life should glorify God, at least to the best of our ability. Again, no one's perfect, but to the best of our ability, everything we should do, we should do for the glory of God. You know, I mean, I work a secular job in the music business, and, you know, I'm still very open about my faith when I'm standing in a nightclub, you know, mixing a band. You know, I mean, I'm still trying to be a man of integrity and for people to notice that I'm not like everyone else, you know, uh, that way. Not that I'm trying to draw attention to me. I'm trying to draw attention to God's work in me. You see what I'm saying? You know, um, and I think that's where we should be. We should be people who come into the knowledge of Christ and then have a hunger and a desire to grow and work discipleship in our life. You know, and that's not always comfortable, you know, and that's usually where you lose people, you know, is because they, they want to feel comfortable and it's like, God can't grow you if God can't challenge you, you know, and that's just kind of the way it works. Um, so if you start praying for growth, you know, be ready for you know the uncomfortable challenges that are going to come down the pike that God's going to use to pull purpose out of your life, um, so it's absolutely crucial that we, you know, surrender 100%, not 99%, not 80%, but 100%.
and then honor Christ's sacrifice on the cross with our with our living. You know, it, the Bible says, you know, don't you know that your body is is a holy temple of God? You know, we need to take care of ourselves, and we need to be people of integrity. You know, we need to be people that you know non Christian people can trust. You know, my father used to used to talk about crooked Christians, and what he, what he meant by that was he was talking about people, you know, local Christian, quote-unquote, business owners um, who just have a track record of doing dirty business dealings, you know? Um, you know, I mean, I, I remember him talking about, you know, one family we went to church with for years and years and years who, you know, um, owned a, you know, owned a business that, you know, uh, people rented things from them and, you know, that sort of stuff. And they just were like really, really dirty. They kept a lot of people's deposits, you know, that really shouldn't have. And just was a very, very, I mean, there's a difference between being fervent in business, which just means being firm and, you know, trustworthy and being dirty, you know, um, and look, you know, a lot of us have struggled with that over the years. You know, I've made, I've made my own business mistakes in my own life, you know. Um, but I'm trying to be someone now that, you know, God can be glorified through my business dealings. You know, because that crooked Christian kind of thing stuck with me that my father was talking about. You know, I don't want to be known as a Christian, but then someone who is, you know, screwing people over financially, you know, and stuff like that. Or an employee that is constantly stealing from the company. You know, I mean, I know people call themselves Christians and, you know, you know, steal from their employer every single day and have no remorse about it. That's what's scary. No remorse. That's not surrender, guys. That's not holiness. That's not, you know, trying to live a life of obedience. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. I don't care how much you're sacrificing in your life. Are you being obedient? Are you being obedient to the cause of Christ? You know, if Jesus was to come down and go to work with you every day, would he be would he be happy with how you talk and how you conduct yourself, you know, and things like that? I mean, that's kind of how I look at it in my life, you know, and I fall short all the time. I'm not saying I got it all figured out because I most certainly do not, but. I'm trying, you know, I mean, I'm trying to be a man of integrity. I'm trying to be different from the world, you know. I, I mean, I want to, I've always looked at my life like I want to be center friendly, you know. I want to be, you know, friendly with people who need to hear the message of Christ, but I don't want to look so much like the world that I'd lose my identity in Christ, you know. And that's kind of where the modern church is really skating on some thin ice is because, they look so much like the church looks so much like the world and the world looks so much like the church. It's hard to distinguish which is which sometimes, you know, and I'm not, you know, speaking or teaching against any kind of modern amenities of, of the modern church with, you know, uh, you know, lights and sound and fog and, you know, video and all that kind of, I'm a tech guy, you know, I got no problem with any of that stuff. You know, that's all is what it is. As long as it's, it's there to facilitate the purpose of, God's glory, you know, because that's what it really comes back to. I don't have a desire in my own life to build an empire. You know, I am just doing what God has called me to do. You know, I mean, I don't, you don't hear me on here asking you for money, you know, or anything like that. I'm not, you know, I mean, I do all this stuff on my own accord and I'm trying to follow a call that God has put on my life. 
and uh, give a lot of people that I've worked with over the years and people I've counseled uh, that I don't no, no longer live near, you know, a central hub place for them to be able to come and get, you know, still hear, you know, some of the teaching that God has, you know, placed in me. Um, but, you know, I got I to gotta be holy, man. You know, I mean, I got I to gotta seek out holiness in my day-to-day life. You know, a lot of people think that Christ's sacrifice on the cross was so great that they don't have to do anything. And again, salvation is free. You can't earn salvation. You know, don't get this mixed up with a works-based salvation idea because you can't earn salvation. But you can earn holiness. You know, it's like Jesus told his disciples after they had failed miserably to cast out some demons out of somebody, he said, you know, these only come through prayer and fasting. He went to the situation, cast the demons out of the guy, and got the thing straight, and the disciples looked at him and said, well, how come you could do it, but we couldn't? And that's when he looked at him and said, these only come through much prayer and fasting. And what he was trying to say was, there is a role in this that we have to play. There is a, a dynamic in our in our walk with God that dictates us having to change how we live at some point or another. Now, if you're new to the faith and you're just trying to get, you know, your faith legs underneath of you and, and get involved in early discipleship, man, that's all fine and good. You know, drink milk, drink milk. That's what baby Christians do. But if you're someone who's called yourself a Christian for 5, 10, 15, 20, 40 years, and still just as much of a heathen Monday morning around the water cooler at the office as what you were before you ever knew Christ, how is God glorified by that? And how can you think for a second that God is going to honor anything that you say? I am someone who firmly believes you have to earn the right to speak into people's lives. I do not push my faith onto anyone. But, you know, you can't earn that right if you're just as ate up and messed up as what they are, the unbelievers. You have to be set apart. You have to be different. People have to see something in you that they don't have, and it's Jesus. We're commanded to make disciples of the world. Well, that only comes through, the, the, you're the only Jesus they're going to see is you. And if you disciple the non-believers around you to think that you don't have to be different to call yourself a Christian, well, then you've just done them an enormous disservice. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think Jesus said that people like that would have a stone tied around their neck and thrown into the ocean because you're doing more harm than you are good. Look, I know that's heavy duty. But that's how serious this is. We're talking about life and death here. There are people around you each and every day on your job that desperately, desperately need the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, and God gets a bad rap, you know, a lot of times because the enemy's really good at convincing everything that every all the problems in the world is God's fault. Because God allowed it. They make God the author of all the nasty, ugly stuff that's going on in the world. And that's not what's going on at all. Or they see, you know, Christianity or following Christ as, you know, 
just a whole long laundry list of rules that are just going to bust my groove. But what you don't understand is God gave us those rules to save us from ourselves and to keep us from victimizing the people around us because we're stuck in a pride-centered, reckless lifestyle with no boundaries. You know, the boundaries of the Ten Commandments and things like that are in place for a reason because God loved us enough to say, hey guys, you should not do these things because they will bring harm to your life, harm to your family, and harm to my work I'm trying to do through you. The second you can grab a hold of that will be the beginning of the rest of your walk toward understanding who God really is. You know, people get stuck in the Old Testament reading about God's judgment on this and God's wrath on that and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, you know what? The Old Testament was, number one, geared toward the Jews, which I am not. I am what the Bible would call as a Gentile. I'm not saying we dis. You know, we just dismiss the Old Testament because of that. But there are things in the Old Testament that was very specific to the Jewish people. You know, you read the law of Leviticus. You know, that was very ancient world geared law geared specifically toward the Jewish people. But then when you get to, in, you know, in Exodus, where you're, you're looking at the Ten Commandments, now you have something that transcends time, you know, something, you know, a list of, of commandments that, that can bring enormous amounts of freedom and satisfaction to our lives if we just follow them. You know, don't sleep with your neighbor's wife, you know. Don't steal from your neighbor. Don't envy what your neighbor has. You know, keep the Sabbath holy. You know, have no other gods before God Almighty, the only God that's worthy to be prized be praised you know simple things guys simple things and the enemy has done a really good job of convincing people that you know it's just a laundry list of groove busting rules and that's you're totally you know taking a lie hook line and sinker when you believe that and you view god that way god's not this you know upset mad entity that is distant and far away and you know doesn't really give a rip about your day-to-day life no he is inside your day-to-day business trying to pull purpose most of the time out of your junk trying to grow you trying to challenge you and trying to get you to a complete point of restoration where you can have satisfaction peace and harmony in your life Peace and harmony in your family. Peace and harmony in your job. You know, we're real quick to like bend over backwards and do any ridiculous thing our boss would ask us to do because we're trying to make a good impression on our boss. But then we stand back and we look at God's requests for unconditional submission as unreasonable. But yet we're the first people to want to murder other people with our words when we don't get our way. You know, we live in this world now where black and white, right and wrong has been thrown out the window. And now we're all about social injustice in 500 shades of gray to decide what is truly right and what is truly wrong. And what's happening is, is the lines are being blurred intentionally by the enemy. 
so that right can become wrong and wrong can become right. That's the plan of the end times. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to twist things around. So we want to stand in judgment of God, like how did you know? How could he, you know, uh, kill people in the Old Testament for worshiping idol gods and you know things like that? That just seems so, so you know, unfathomable. Like it's hard to even you know just wrap your head around that kind of stuff. When when you don't get your way, you're the first person to want to you know murder somebody. Look, look at the last election. When Trump was elected, and I'm not pushing a political message here because that's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is some of the people that I knew who had been waving the flag of tolerance the most, people who will go stand and protest you know, some kind of social injustice, camp out on the streets the whole nine yards. Preach tolerance and love your neighbor and, you know, as long as we're all good people, everybody's going to heaven and, you know, all this kind of, you know, new age, you know, stuff. And the second Hillary didn't get elected, they went ballistic, turned into some of the ugliest people I have ever seen in my life. I pulled hordes of people out of my Facebook feed just because of the nasty things they were saying. Like, I just, I couldn't even wrap my head around it. Like, it, it felt like the whole fabric of society was just falling apart. Maybe I was a little naive in actually believing that they were tolerant. But let me tell you something, brother. Let me tell you something, sister. Your actions speak way louder than your words. If you claim to be a child of peace instead of a warrior of wrath, and that's how you act when you don't get your way, I'm sorry, your words are falling on deaf ears. No one's listening to your message. No one's hearing you when that's how you act. But yet those same people are the same people who would judge God for all the, the ugliness of the Old Testament. When the Old Testament did not have the covenant of Christ, that's why we're living in a time of grace now. All that anger God had in the Old Testament about all those sins and all the disobedience and the idol worship and the wickedness and, and the witchcraft and all the crazy stuff that was the Old Testament that just jacked God up and made him mad, he poured all that out on the Christ when he was on the cross. So that we don't, we don't have to experience any of that stuff. Jesus paid the price. He was the sacrificial lamb, the last sacrifice that had to be made to atone for the world's sin. And if you don't see that as an as a, an enormous act of love, you're just blind. Everything God has done for us since Eden has been because he loves us. Time and time again, you see God pursuing his people when they're wrong, when they're dead wrong, when Adam and Eve in the garden ate the fruit. God knew what had already happened. He came down and he was looking for them. Hey, where are you guys at? And then when Adam and Eve said that we realized we were naked, he didn't get mad at them and condemn them. He said, who told you you were naked? And yes, there was a, a consequence to their actions. Yes, sin did enter the world. But when Cain killed Abel, 
He went looking for Cain. Hey, where you at, man? Over and over and over in the Bible, we see God constantly trying to reach toward us and help us come back to him, be reconciled, and restored to him. The whole Bible can be summed up in that idea of just trust me. But you can't trust him if you haven't surrendered unconditionally. You can't do it. All of humanity is plagued by a terminal illness called sin. No one is exempt from it. Whether you believe or you don't believe, you're still dealing with sin in your life, myself included. The vaccine that saves all of humanity is the blood of Christ and what he did on the cross. But you can't have it unless you pursue it and accept it in your life. God's never going to push himself on you. You have to unconditionally surrender yourself to him, invite him into your life, and spend the rest of your life continuing to invite him into your life. I am just recently rediscovering some old prayer habits that I had forgotten about. And one of those habits was to daily invite the Holy Spirit into my life, daily invite God into my life, daily confess my unconditional surrender to him, to ask him to help me be obedient today and not get stressed out over the marathon that life is in front of me, but look at what my next step is. What is my next right decision? And and eat the elephant one bite at a time. Too many of us get so intimidated by the marathon that is life that we just don't even make an effort to make the next step. We convince ourselves, we listen to the lies of the enemy, and we convince ourselves it's too hard. We can't do it. You know, so I'm just gonna wallow in my self pity and, you know, my junk. Until that becomes such a you know bondage in your life that you have no choice but to reach out and find restoration in Christ Jesus. Holiness is so important to our life here on earth. We and I believe it's God's will for us to be victorious now, here, today. And if you're not seeing victory in your life, you need to really ask God to open your eyes to his understanding as to what's really going on in your life. Because maybe you've fallen prey to some of the modern church's teaching of mediocrity. Maybe you've bought the feel-good message of hyper-grace. And it's not really working for you. You feel like you're missing something, that there's got to be more to this than this. Maybe you're someone who looks at your life and you say, I really just thought that I would be further along by now than where I am. With your career, with your family, with your marriage, and with God. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things will be added. We've got to reestablish unconditional surrender in our life, first and foremost. 
and then start walking out, get, in, get involved in Christian community that's going to challenge you and help you grow, and then start walking out what daily obedience looks like. Like, I don't care how much money you're giving to the church or how much time you volunteer to the church or how much time you volunteer at, at the rescue mission or whatever it is, all the sacrifices you're making in your life for, for good. That's all fine and good. There's nothing wrong with that stuff. We need people to do those things. But God's more concerned about your relationship with him than he is your ministry, than he is my ministry. I heard Dr. James Dobson say that many years ago, and it's always stuck with me. He said that God was more in, focused on the family is a huge ministry that has ministered to hundreds of thousands of people over the years. And for him to make the statement that God's more concerned about his relationship with Dr. Dobson than what he is his ministry with focus on the family just blew my mind. I'm like, wow, that's heavy duty. But it's the truth. Because with if your relationship with Christ isn't correct and you don't have that unconditional surrender and you're not seeking out holiness every day in your walk, then you're really just kind of playing church. You're just kind of playing games. Like, you love Jesus, and that's all cool, and, you know, I want to go to heaven when I die, but I don't really want to change how I live now. Well, that's not unconditional surrender. That's you trying to negotiate with God what what is cool and what ain't cool. And I promise you, you will lose that negotiation every time. Because when you don't seek holiness in your life, you tie God's hands. When you're not inviting God into your mess and asking God to help you through your mess, you're tying God's hands. He can't help you. So all he does is is sit back and watch you create one, you know, storm after another in your life. You know, till you finally get to a point of suffering where your your desire to get to get things straight outweighs your fear of what it's going to take to get from point A to point B in your discipleship. That's how it happens. You know, so you it's really your choice. You can either take the, the easy way or you can take the hard way. You can either choose today to make some changes in your life and say, Lord, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to just be one percent better today than what I was yesterday. Just do that every day. One percent. How hard is one percent? Come on, man. In 100 days, you're 100% better. That's the approach that we have to take to really be who God has called us to be. It really is. That's my message today, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast. Uh, Please leave me a review wherever it is that you're streaming this podcast at. Um, you know, leave me a five-star review and you're welcome to ask me questions in the review section if you want. Uh, there's a Facebook page and an Instagram account for the Truth Labyrinth podcast. You're welcome to go on there and send me questions. I love answering questions. You know, if there's something that you're hung up on or if maybe you're seeking God and you just happen to run across this thing and none of this makes any sense to you, I would love to talk to you. I would love to spend some time, you know, answering your questions and trying to shed some light on some, you know, things that you've kind of been hung up on. 
Uh, please share this. Please tell your friends about it. Not because I'm all that and because I want people to look at me, but because I want people to hear this message that, that God has got for people. Guys, we're, we're living in the end times. It's happening around us each and every day. Now more than ever, it is so vitally important that we get a hold of this message of unconditional surrender and holiness in our life. I love each and every one of you. I pray that you have a great week and a great weekend. In Jesus' name.